on this episode of AV Week, killer apps for video over IP, best practices in educating the next generation of AV technologists, and getting mass notification integrated into your audiovisual system. All that and more, next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 369, recorded Friday, September 21st, 2018. Collaborative collaboration. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by SDVOE, the platform for networked AV, and by Audio, a leading manufacturer of professional PTZ cameras, Pro AV solutions, and UCC integration systems. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week, first and foremost, her name is Corey Schaefer, and she works with QSC. Welcome, ma'am. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. Uh, also with us uh, is my boss, uh, the indisputable, undisputed industry icon. His name is Bradford Ben. Welcome, sir. Glad to be here, Tim. Nice to see you. You still haven't gotten the windows cleaned behind you yet. I'm a little disappointed. Uh, you haven't authorized the payment. You haven't authorized the expense for the windows to be cleaned, so you have to do that. It is a signature. So, also uh, first and uh, first time on this show, uh, but an industry uh, expert, and he has his own show. We'll talk about it in a second, and he'll be with SCN. Uh, this will post on Monday, so he'll be with SCN later this week. Manny Almagro, welcome, sir. Hey, thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Manny's company is Q Division. So, all right, uh, first first uh, topic here uh, comes to us from our friends over at Commercial Integrator. Um, they're talking about a, a couple of different things. They're talking about, uh, the article talks about applications for video over IP and, and what, what that means. And, and the folks at, uh, at Commercial Integrator, Tom LeBlanc specifically, says the one thing that he, the way that he sees this is video over IP and, and SDVOE specifically is going to be driven by the killer app, app, the killer apps, quote unquote, killer applications. Uh, Brian, Ford, I want to start with you on this. When it comes to the video over IP and, and the AV part of that, what are some of the applications that, that could be driving this? And what are the, some of the, not just use cases, but also the, the software that can drive this, that can really drive the use of this and the adoption of it? So there, there are a bunch of things. Obviously, we can start at the simple level of IP-based security and video over IP for that. Uh, there's video over IP for web conferencing. Well, obviously, that's not what SDVOE is 100% aimed at. They're more aimed at the high-resolution, high-performance video, especially by partnering with Christie, of things such as large-format displays, showing cinema, such as doing amazing digital signage, uh, the ability to put a projector on one location and have your media farm in another more secure location, I think, is one of the killer apps. I think the ability to start adding in processing while in transit will be a big thing. I know a lot of the projector companies are working on stuff like that. Uh, I think the big killer app is how much it simplifies the network infrastructure and the facility infrastructure uh, for it. 
The interesting thing is to find the big killer app for it. I don't think it's going to be a piece of software. I think it's going to be an application like a sports book, like a hotel room, like a large campus or such as a college campus where you can distribute everything from one central media center, I think is the killer application because from a management standpoint, you know, I kind of joke about it. All of this technology is designed to make sure I stay in air conditioning at all times and not have to leave my desk. And to me, that's the killer app, the SDVOE, and pretty much any IP transit is good for nowadays. Uh, you know, if I'm at a casino or a sports venue or a college campus or a house of worship campus, take any large area and I don't have to go out and troubleshoot video or reroute video or make a patch. I can do it all via the network. I think that's the killer app. I think being able to have a return confidence feed is going to be the ultimate thing that makes this go over the top. But I believe the technology has been proven enough and the concept has been proven enough. It's coming down to can we get enough bandwidth for almost simultaneous video transport for you know a 4k signal at 444 color space and 60 you know frames or uh, frames per second i think that's the killer app is getting enough data down the pipeline but i think the idea of ip for everything else is already well proven i think the killer app is going to be undetectable or vanishingly small uh, artifacts for compression to get high resolution video everywhere and not have to put a high res playback source next to every projector if you're going to do something large format like a cinema. And my friend, you mentioned um, universities, you know, uh, college campuses that are large. And when I went on the their site, they, not Christie's, but um, uh, they, they list, you know, um, a lot of university applications. And so I think it's getting um, getting your messaging ac across large spaces like you said, casinos, campuses, et cetera, I think that's really great. And then they also mentioned in that Tom LeBlanc uh, interview about monitoring, you know, so being able to stay in one space and be able to monitor the signal and what's going on and not, you know, leaving your air-conditioned space. Yeah, that's my goal. Yeah, I, I wonder though, I mean, when, when you talk about uh, SDVOE, the, I think the, the other challenge we face is you got to work with the IT departments. I mean, I think I speak, I usually work on the, the end user side. I'm on the retailer side, the agency side. So they don't really care when it comes to the infrastructure, but what they do care is the impact it has on the existing network. And I always find that anytime we want to borrow bandwidth or share bandwidth with the existing IT department, we, we, we end up in a fist fight, so to speak. I think there's... There's the challenge of it. I, I, I understand the value it brings and from an operational standpoint, but I think when you look at the, the you, you need to work closely with an IT department and I don't know if they're, they're known for their collaboration skills. Meaning the IT department in general? Yeah. So, I mean, if you're from a retail perspective, and I'll talk from digital signage perspective, I think it's always going to be, we're at the, we're at the, um, the mercy of when they give us access to push content across. So the, you know, we, we store and forward and that's how we've had to live all these years. So I think 
I, I love SDVOE, but I think, and from an operational standpoint, I think it's eloquent. It makes sense. I think, how do you, how do you sell that to me as an IT person that has to manage a network now that has a whole bunch of other things on it too? Because consider all the other internet of things that we're throwing in. There's uh, in-store analytics platforms and sensors that are sending stuff across. So it, it just adds another level from my perspective of burden on an IT person. So I would bring that up. I agree with you, Manny, on this. It is definitely a, a challenge. Uh, I do think one of the reasons I like SDVOE over some of the other standards that are out there, uh, like we can use HD-based-T. It is a high-speed Ethernet-based point-to-point communication, which will not work through a standard network switch, whereas SDVOE is driving hard to follow all of the uh, IP standards and IEEE standards and IT best practices, which is helping. I think part of this is a challenge that will be addressed across the board as people start to see the, I hate to say the, the, the collaboration of the collaborative services, but I think IT will start to see it understand that they're going to be told by their bosses. One of your metrics is how much you cost. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to cost me another $5 million on this project because you're going to be abstinent, well, I can fire you. And for less than that $5 million, rehire someone who will work with me. And I know that sounds somewhat draconian, but there is a certain amount of, you know, this is, this is what the, I've been given the answer to the test. I'm right. going to pass the test. Right. You know, I've gone in and, and Tim does this all the time to me. He'll come up with a horrible idea. And even though he thinks it's a good idea, me as his boss goes, yeah, that, that's a, that's a interesting idea, Tim. I'll take it under advisement. However, please continue down this path. And I think that's going to be the ultimate driving thing is the actual savings by having a converged and collaborative network that's going to be the change. And I know I'm making light of it, but that is ultimately what's going to happen. I've seen it in many big projects where you can go, oh, I don't have to put in two networks. I can put in one big one and look, my cost per node goes down. My infrastructure cost goes down. I need one IT person who collaborates that might cost me 50% more rather than three IT people who fight. So I think that's going to be the ultimate tipping point is when people sit down and do the dollars. But I do think it is it's exactly like you said, it's the IT department that oftentimes can be a challenge, but I think uh, it is solvable. Uh, and to me, still the best engineering skill any of us have in this industry is social engineering, mm-hmm. followed by financial engineering to get your way and prove you're saving money. Yeah, absolutely. And I would just like to point out, Bradford does not say that. He just says that's a dumb idea. Move along. <laughs> All right. Our next story. That's comes a to dumb us. statement, Tim. Let's move <laughs> along to the next slide. I rest my case. <laughs> next story comes from us from AV Network and um, Kelly Perkins. And actually, um, uh, this happens in my backyard. Some friends of ours over at CTI about their in-house uh, talent development. And they, they bring in a bunch of in, in, interns every year. They've been doing this for a number of years. Uh, when we read a quote here talking about how they do this, this in-house education, quote, unquote, each intern is flown into the St. Louis headquarters for a few days of employee onboarding, uh, onboarding the same uh, treatment any other employee would receive. 
what follows is several weeks of in the field and office work, everything from getting into the field to actually meeting with internal customers and going through the sales and discovery process. By the end of the 10-week internship, interns are handing over working conference rooms, uh, monitoring uh, monitors, audio uh, codecs, touch panels, lighting, and everything. Corey, I want to start with you on this. Um, uh, CTI is not u- unique in, in having a, an internal um, development and, and training program. But the first question, though, is, is as a manufacturer, what can manufacturers do from a practical standpoint? Because there are several thousand, if not tens of thousands, integrators across the country and obviously around the world. From a practical standpoint, what can manufacturers do to kind of help foster this? Um, because one of the issues that integrators have said in the past is, is getting talent and new, fresh talent into the industry. It would be, make sense then from, any, from a manufacturer standpoint to help partner with them. What can you guys do to help, help these programs? I think uh, as they do, we can do many things, we can provide equipment, uh, right? So that they're learning on our equipment. Um, we can uh, change how we allocate market development funds. Mm. Um, you know, and I, I think it's really clever because, you know, everybody says that, you know, the lack of talent for the AV industry, and this is, this is a really great way to do it. So just using funds differently and providing equipment for these internships. I met with, uh, here in Santa Barbara, we have this amazing venue called the uh, Music Academy of the West. Katy Perry, you know, uh, was here. This is where she went to school, you know, et cetera. And they have um, a woman who, a, a young woman who is, they're helping, interning over the summer. And, and um, uh, the guy that is that leads the department really isn't strong on audio, but she is. And in school, uh, she went somewhere in the Midwest, she actually learned to mix on a QSC touch mix. And so as they're looking at acquiring product for the Music Academy of the West, she wants touch mix for it, which is cool because... Um, you know, you, when you learn and you're comfortable on something, you take that. And when you're young like this, I, I think it's brilliant. Well, and you guys have also done things in the past with the sound girls organization as well. Right. Right. Yeah. So you bring them in and, uh, that's all soundgirls.org is all about education. So having them learn your products, you know, like the touch mix, having them learn on that and, uh, you know, feel comfortable in that type of an environment, whether it's, you know, uh, one day or, you know, a couple of days or a full week. And Sound Girls also does these small internships where or these summer internships for young girls that are like, I think their demographic is age eight to 12, teaching them how to mix. So, I mean, you know, it's all like feeding these people that are going to come into the industry or, you know, learning about our industry to see if they want to enter it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Manny, from, from, from the digital signage side, which is, you know, still, again, you, you have creative, but you also have technical. What is the best way to get, you know, fresh, young talent, but also maybe some folks uh, starting a second or third career, getting them up to speed and getting them trained in, in that industry? Um, we do some work with a lot of uh, these, you know, there's a whole bunch of these innovation labs or just... Um, say emerging tech labs that are cropping up everywhere a lot of the retailers and brands we work with are building their own and what we do is we go straight to the colleges and we get the seniors so two things happen we get really cheap development help for the first year (laughs) but they get experience and then of course it translates and move into 
whatever we were doing or building after they graduate. So we do kind of give them a path forward. Um, we also do hackathons and things like that. That that opens the door for a lot of these, you know, budding um, experienced designers, we'll call them, or just, you know, general software development. A lot of the interesting stuff is coming from, we give them a bunch of different technologies and say, how would you, what would you do with all this stuff? And then they come up with crazy ideas and we try them out in innovation labs. Um, it's interesting to see a lot of the work that's coming out of cashierless checkout, right? You wouldn't think about digital signage in that space, but we think about using machine vision as part of that, which is cameras inside the store. And then we give them opportunities to use the same kind of sensors we use to track people inside the store from an analytics perspective and say, here, we're going to give you access to these sensors. What can you do with that? And they can come up with things like, you know, you grab something off the shelf and walk out with it because the camera can see that kind of thing. So I think that's a, another way we kind of entice them because that's where a lot of the interest is coming from on the retail side. Oh, very cool. Uh, Bradford, give me from both your perspectives as a former manufacturer, but also now as an end user, getting folks, you know, in the industry and, and the best way to, to educate them and get them, um, you know, get them rolling. So as a former manufacturer, I did much the same things that Corey did. It works well. We would, I would go out and teach people concepts, not brands, but then somehow the, the equipment from my former manu, uh, employer was the equipment I used to show people stuff and they got used to using it and would use it for the rest of their career. It's, I, I almost call it the PV model. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, part of uh, Hartley PV's success was having an entry-level guitar sound, guitar amplifier, and people would learn and play in their bedroom. And as they got more and more advanced, they kept buying that sound. Same approach. Teach them young, get them used to your stuff, and follow it all the way through. From an end user's point of view, we do a lot of interns. We host a lot of them. Uh, we pretty much get each person in my team is allowed to say, do you want an intern and what will you do to keep them busy? And awesome. when, it's pretty cool. But so far, I haven't had enough work to bring one in. But my team, we're on our third intern at the moment. And I've only been here, or my third intern I've worked with, I've only been here a little over six months. And they will do, most of our people are mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, those types of things, but they're coming in and working side by side. So as I'm working on a task, one of the things I'm doing is I'm explaining to them why I'm making decisions and how that math comes in. But more importantly, I'm not giving them the answer. And sometimes the interns are coming back with better ideas than I had just because they're coming at it from a fresh area. I think it's a great thing for all of us to do in any industry. Uh, I think the thing is, is to realize as technology moves, it moves very quickly. And sometimes these young whippersnappers uh, know more than I do and have better approaches because whether we like to admit it or not, uh, you know, because I've always done it this way, or I know this way works because I've done it before, becomes too comfortable. Yeah. Whereas I had an intern last, I guess it was June, July, we were working on something, and she was like, why do you do it this way? Well, this is why. Like, this would be better. Hang on. Went through it, and 
it was better. And that's the way we're doing it. Yeah, you know, in my VIX's group, we talk about mentoring programs. And I think the mentality is always that mentoring means older to younger. But when we're having conversations about, we call it reverse mentoring, younger to older, right? Because to that point, when you say, hey, we do it this way, they kind of go, why? Wouldn't you just know, bloop, you know, I mean, um, just they think differently. Yep. Well, and there, there is something to be said for what the, it's an overused term, but I'm still going to use it, the digital natives of the, the younger generations. I mean, I, I look at, at, at my kids, 10 and 12 right now, and the way that they consume media and the way that they are doing things, it, it, it's fascinating to watch. And, you know, they, they know, you know, basically what I do in the industry that I, that I cover. And, you know, they, they've asked that question before, well, why, why do you guys do it this way? Or why is this company doing this? And it's, they do the same thing. Well, well, isn't this simpler? Look at this, this app that I have that does the exact same thing. It's a dollar compared to, you know, a a $30,000 system. So it is fascinating. Yeah. All right. Uh, All right, guys, last story here from our friends over at AV Magazine talking about the National Music Auditorium of Spain putting a new public address system, but also, in addition to that, a mass notification system. Uh, Quote, unquote, uh, LDA's NEO system has been installed to cover 20 public address zones and one evacuation zone that incorporates backup application channels, battery supply, and emergency emergency panel. All this is integrated with the auditorium's evacuation system and according to its emergency plan. Manny, I want to start with you on this, uh, honestly, because Manny is a, our a digital signage expert on this. How, what is the best way, both from a design standpoint and an implement, implement, implementation standpoint, easy for me to say, <laughs> to get mass notification into the various uh, systems that all of us design and all of us install? You mean um, the like the emergency texting type of the, the texting as well as you know changing the signage to say hey there's there's an there's an issue here whether that's a weather issue or, right you know some sort of other emergency issue it, um, when we work with like the transit or transportation airports and subways that is a key piece right there's two ways they they have uh, of course they give us access to where they send their irregular operations which is you know weather emergency or something like that or just, you know, here's overall FEMA sending an informational text out. I mean, I think the, from our perspective, we just take in the feed um, it, as long as they give us access to it. And it's part, usually part of the RFP, if we're responding one, that you have to have a way to adapt to on-demand dynamic information that's coming from an authority, um, which it just brought to mind. I read an article about how the president now has access to something like that. Like it's, he literally has a FEMA button on his phone where he can send a text message to everyone in the world or in the, in the United States. <laughs> so it's something like that. I mean, I think we work very closely with a lot of the emergency texting and uh, irregular operations in all of the public address side of things. Yeah, I was thinking about this, Tim, and I think that one of the things that has to be considered is that um, you have to use several modes of communication because not one, you know, there's not one method of communication that reaches everyone. So digital science is not going to reach everyone. And maybe the page is not going to reach everyone. So you have to think up, think through all of the methods as you're designing a system of the, uh, of reaching people because we all receive information differently. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Bradford, both from um, your your previous standpoint, uh, uh, you know, doing different systems throughout the world, what is the best way to get 
things? Is it, is it like, like Corey said, a multi-pronged approach where you have to reach people where they are? It is a multi-pronged planned approach. And part of this is just because for those of you, Real yeah, quickly. I'm going to get there, Tim. All right. <laughs> I know where you're going. I All right. Tim, that's a dumb question. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> so in my previous life, I did a lot working on EN54 protocols, which is the European life safety approach. And I learned a whole bunch. And this is why I say multi-pronged planned approach. There's a certain amount of, and NASA does this, most failure analysis people do it, engineers learn this very well. What's gonna fail? How's it gonna fail? How should I react? And you start thinking through that. So not that I wish any anomalous operations to anyone, but if you have a fire, let's say, that started in a trash can for whatever reason, and it's on the east side of, of the building, you want to have your mass notification system, your digital signage, your background, your messages, all of that, give directions to exit out the west side of the building because you don't want to have people exit towards the fire. I know that sounds fairly basic, but these are some of the rules you kind of sit down through and look through at an operational standpoint of the, if there's a problem here, how do we direct people out? If you look at some of the larger projects, and unfortunately problems that have happened where there has been an emergency, sometimes more people are injured and hurt trying to get away from the incident than actually by the incident itself such as too many people not knowing which door to go out. Some people, you know, I can go through all sorts of bad things about this, but the, to me the idea is as an integrator, designer, et cetera, even when I was an end user or as working for the manufacturer, I'd go, okay, so we're working on an airport. If there's a problem here, how should people evacuate? And the airport will say, go out the south entrance. Great. My job and Manny's job and Corey's job and the integrator's job is to explain to people which one is the south entrance because I'm not sure we all know. So if you can have the signage put up arrows that point the right way, messaging that says go this way, those types of things, that's where it becomes the mass notification system becomes integrated into the system. The other thing and this is my personal opinion on so many different levels. If you're sometimes having that soothing pre-recorded voice of an announcer saying, there's been a problem detected, please pick up your belongings and go this way, is much better than having a very nervous person on the microphone trying to explain it. And that to me is where something like a QSIS system, which has a message playback system in it, which has a scripting language in it, can help you address some of these issues. And there are other manufacturers that have these exact same technologies. You can do it through an IED system. You can do it through uh, a Harman system. You can do it through almost any system from BiAmp to Extron to take your pick. But there are some manufacturers who have built these features in specifically for that. And I think that's our role as we're designing systems is to plan for the bad things and help people be aware of what the problem is. If you look at 
IT, straight up IT, and we start talking about, well, why is spanning tree created? Because you didn't want a network cable broken that would take down your system. Why were hot swappable power size created? Because of this. Do I need a generator? How efficient is this? What's my boot time? It becomes an overall system problem. And one of the most important things, and I can go on about this for hours because I spend a lot of time thinking about it, is simply having a, what is your definition? What are you trying to accomplish? What does your authority having jurisdiction want? And what is the safest way and most foolproof way to execute it? And that to me was the good thing about the way they approached this. It was an integrated combined system, which too often people go, I'm just gonna put a fire alarm klaxon on the wall and mute my sound system. That works great for some things, not for big campuses and big buildings and high visibility projects like this. Soapbox down, cartwheel done, no mic drops. Yeah, please don't drop the mic. So, all right, that, that'll be a good place to stop. Thank you all so much. Miss Corey Schaefer, thank you. Uh, how do people find you and or QSC? So Corey.Schaefer at QSC.com, Corey Schaefer on uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, et cetera. Uh, just type it in, you'll find me. All right, very good. Mr. Bradford, Ben, thank you, sir, as always. Well, first, I want to make sure, did I answer your question before you got to it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. My, my question See? was going to be, what do you mean by planned? And you absolutely laid it out and, and said you. you've thought it through, yeah. So I, have to, I almost forgot to do my disclaimer. My opinions are mine alone. I don't speak for anyone from my employer to my wife to my dogs to Tim. No, I do speak for Tim to my friends, my enemies, etc. I speak for myself. You can find me pretty much anywhere where technology may be and the good fight must be fought. Uh, I'm Bradford Ben on the Twitters, uh, bradford.ben at avnation.tv. Uh, if you type me into Bradford Ben on the Google, you'll probably get to bradfordben.com. However, the easiest way to find me is trolling Tim on the Twitters, especially the way his Bears are playing and soon to be his Blackhawks. Not Blackhawks, Blues. That's dude. why I'm trolling you. Times. Do I have All to explain right. Manny, to you? Manny, thank you so much, sir. You, you've been awesome. I appreciate it. Um, Thanks for having me. You, you've got a podcast that you do, plus you're, you're going to be at an event with SCN. So how do people find you and follow along with what you're doing? Ah, uh, Yeah, we thank you for letting me pop the podcast there. We have Absolutely. a podcast. Um, it is called Mo and Joe's Epic Tech Talks. And what we do is we cover the latest and greatest in MarTech every week. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Manolo underscore Almagro. And... We are going to be at SCN this Thursday in Jersey. Uh, I'm on a panel with a bunch of great people. Uh, we're talking about integrated experiences, and it's going to be interesting because a lot of uh, the stuff we're going to talk about may be controversial when it comes to how much data you're collecting about someone and how you use it to customize their experience. So it's, it's an interesting topic, I think. And the, the, there's one guy on my panel that we always go head to head on. So if you want to see some fireworks, I think that's the session to go see. So. Uh, very good. Yeah, that, that is controversial because you've got several different folks with several different opinions. And that's right. All of, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right. Uh, my name is Tom Albright. Don't follow me on the Twitters, even though the Bears are technically in first place of the NFC North. I just want to point that out. It's the last week I'll probably be able to say that, but, you know. Just because they're the first team being last. They are in first that. place, so okay. as of this recording. 
so this we'll will see what happens on Monday when this we'll, post, we'll see what posts on Monday. So we'll see what happens and. I'm sure you or Craig McCormick one will troll me on that. Um, but go by the website if you would please. An awful lot of people have put an awful lot of work, including Bradford Ben, on it. Avnation.tv, Avnation.tv. While you're there, uh, you can check out our underwriter section. These are the folks who help us financially, help us uh, bring you AV Week and all the other stuff that we are doing, including uh, we'll be at New York Digital Signage Week uh, in October, November. Actually, hanging out with Manny for a little bit. And after that, the next one, the next big show is, is ISC. Uh, you can also check out our CDA coverage and other shows like this one, including our weekly um, news program that covers the residential market uh, with our buddy Matt Scott hosting. So all that and more at avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week. <laughs>